everybody. Welcome to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burnt Origination where you can find all of the best Texas Longhorn athletic and recruiting coverage. Well, my name is Gerald Goodrich, and I am joined this week, like I am every week, by my good friend, that peanut butter chocolate cake with Kool-Aid, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you doing today? Pretty good. I, uh, I had a salad for dinner, and now I'm feeling like I really messed it up there. You, you know, we've got to make those adult decisions. The, the salad is probably the right decision, even though the chocolate cake is probably the, the, the fun one. That's, uh, I think there's an analogy for Texas football somewhere in there. So this week we're going to obviously talk and reflect on what happened at the Cotton Bowl against the Oklahoma Sooners, and then we'll look ahead to what is coming down the turnpike from Stillwater as the Oklahoma State Cowboys visit Texas this weekend, a place where... You know, in recent history, uh, Texas hasn't had much success against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. But let's start at the beginning with the Oklahoma Sooners, 29-24 in regulation. So this one stayed in regulation, which means that Oklahoma State's probably going double overtime. Uh, but Texas came back from being down 20 to nothing in the first half. And they had a lead in the fourth quarter. They led 24-23 with eight minutes left. Uh, no more moral victories. We're trying to shift the expectations. But but seeing the fight in the team is very reassuring. I, I texted you about this during the game that a year ago this team rolls over and loses by 90. So, so Kyle, what what was your thoughts, your feelings, your reactions uh, watching that game? And, and now, you know, 48 hours after, how are you feeling? We said it after the, the USC game. Uh, no moral victories, but uh, I don't know. This one felt just a little bit different. Uh, this is the big game every year, of course, and uh, just seeing the way the freshmen came out there and, and, and played in it and, and uh, willed the team and the defense uh, also took a couple shots early and just kind of buckled down and got it together. Um, we'll talk specifics later, but, I mean, very nearly a busted play away from pitching a shutout in the second half, um, which is which is incredible. Um, on the way out, you know, you saw uh, Ellinger looking up at the OU fans chanting Texas sucks at him, and he just uh, just put the horns up back at him, um, you know, like the kids. In rhythm at that. It, it was. It was kind of nice. Uh, kid can really do it all. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him. I'm, I'm excited by his excitement. I think the one thing, no matter how you felt about the game, what you were focused on, I think the one thing that every fan's going to come away with is, is thinking that's a guy you want leading your team. That's a guy you can get behind and root for. I mean, he said he, he can't wait for the next three years. He's ready to get. I can I can see the kid going to bed at night and thinking about next year, getting the redemption for that. Because I mean, truly, a couple ball bounces the other way, Texas wins that game, and he as a as a true freshman uh, beats. You know, I don't know if you heard him say it. I think they mentioned it once or twice. But Heisman hopeful. Uh, Baker Mayfield. I think yep. they said that once or twice um, more than ever. They mentioned Shipley and Colt McCoy's parents were uh, dads were roommates, but somewhere along the same uh, same level of of broadcaster notes, it was in there because I will admit I was tired of hearing about it. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that defense was too, and I'm sure uh, Ellinger was too, and I'm sure that whole Texas team. And like I said, I would have loved to get that, but just the fight they showed, the spirit they showed, um, the toughness. I mean. To me, this is this looks like a Texas team. Let's let's just start it. Let's start with Ellinger. I mean, he is he's very clearly the man. They're still they're still listed as co-starters. Him and Shane Bouchel on the depth chart, but you don't go with with Ellinger against 
OU if, he, if he's not the man. So right. against Oklahoma, he goes 19 of, of 39 for 278 yards and a touchdown through the air. 22 rushes. We'll hit on that a little bit more later. And 106 yards plus a score. So pushing pushing 400 against against OU against your biggest rival in two touchdowns. Uh, he was a couple of inches away from from having a second uh, passing touchdown. You know, he goes inside shoulder instead of outside shoulder to Duvernay, and and that goes for six. Yeah. Uh, so Kyle, what are your thoughts? What what did you what did you like that you saw from Ellinger on on Saturday? Um, I, like you said, that there was a couple things you can pick out real quick that uh, you you don't love. Um, I mean, it seems like every game he has one or two throws. You're just like, ah, oh, you make that better. Um, you know, it could be different in that that uh, Duvernay throw. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I just went from being excited to oh my gosh, that that could have should have uh, been a touchdown, and ended up getting no points on that drive, which was which was pretty unfortunate. But I mean, truly, the the kid. I mean, without a running game to really speak of with the troubles with the offensive line. Um, I mean, he's back-to-back hundred yard games. Um, he's, uh, he's doing some incredible stuff. He, uh, when he has time to sit in the pocket, you know, he's, he made a couple throws. Uh, he made a deep out throw when he needed to on a third or fourth down conversion in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he, he, he made a couple of the throws that he needed to, uh, it looked like OU was daring them to beat him. They sat back with, um, a three kind of three man front um, and sat back deep in coverage. And, you know, what are you going to do if they're going to give it to you? Take eight or nine yard runs and, and, you know, hit the passes that are there. I think that's again, a little bit of a failure on the, the coordinators to, uh, to account for that. Um, I did love the, uh, the screen passes and some of those things, but I mean, I think, I think he did what he needed to do. Um, truly, like I said, you don't get a busted coverage. You don't get a, you know, a couple plays inches the other way. Truly, he may have had a Hail Mary shot if either of those uh, little Jordan catches were in bounds on the final drive. I mean, they were good throws. You can't be upset with that. Uh, the The catch was unbelievable from from maybe my new favorite Longhorn, LJH. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of things I liked, and I would love to be sitting here talking about how he led us to victory. I think we would be looking on it a little different, just about the grittiness and toughness that he showed. He's a freshman. There's things that will get better, but the intangibles are there, and I, I mean, I'm good with it. I, I I still think there's some issues with that running game and, and that line, um, but, I mean, if we're talking just about the quarterback, then I'm pretty happy. Yeah, on, on Ellinger, and then we'll move on to the running game because we do need to talk about that, but I, I think it's – you know the physical stuff is going to come. He's he's an 18 year old kid playing with playing against you know 2021. 20, it's amazing how much how much progression happens in those two or three years when you get in a in a college uh, weight weight and development program and you mm-hmm. get some good nutrition in you. So so there's there's a significant difference. But I think that the 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 skills are there and they're raw, but they'll they'll get there. But the intangibles, the leadership, him him leading the team out of the locker room as a freshman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just the hits he was willing to take. Now, granted, I wish he'd take one or two fewer hits, but but him putting himself out out there like um as, as coach Herman said Larry Zonka but but Sam is not old <laughs> enough to know who Larry Zonka is uh, so uh putting himself out there like that and really just being that vocal leader that I think the team has missed in recent years um you know they played really well with Jerron Hurd who's a very fiery very vocal kind of guy Bouchelle not as much 
And then, then you know, Ellinger has that spark. He has that, and I hate this term, and I'm going to hate myself uh, for using it, but he kind of has that it factor, that, that like, there's just that spark. When he's on the field, the team seems to hum, and he seems to really, um, really, really get them going. But what isn't going, what hasn't been going, is the running game. There's not a not a running back in sight at this point. Uh, Chris Warren may be, yeah, I love him to death, he may be the most infuriating player to watch because he gives yep. very little effort on some plays, and then he has those plays where he catches the ball out of the backfield, and he's leaping over folks. Uh, Texas running backs totaled 14 carries for 17 yards. Yeah. In this game, so so Kyle, what what is the problem with the running game, and, and and can they get it going soon enough to to win the games that they need to to close the year out? We've said it before. There's an offensive line issue, and I don't think it gets fixed. Um, I I really don't know what the solution is when you lose three starters and you're already at a a minus position with just some uh, some young guys being forced to play and no depth and no you know not many teams not named Alabama can just deal with that and, and continue to hum like they do. But um, I, I like Porter, you know, enough. I feel like on the kick returns, he's he's breaking tackles. I wish he would do that in the backfield. Him being knocked up, it's not a good thing, but it might be an interesting thing because Carter's going to get touches uh, earlier. Um, Warren may get a chance to get a rhythm going, getting some more touches. Um, we may see Young, who, who looked okay in the big blowout. Um, though I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but but really getting getting the other two guys going a little bit. But I think it's going to be tough. It's going to have to. I think it's going to have a little play calling element to it because I think lining up and just running um, isn't going to work behind this line. And unfortunately, you know, I, I've been a huge huge fan uh, of Vahe in the past, but the guy looks like he's regressed. Um, instead of getting better, he looks like he's he's. And a lot of that is not having you know all world left tackle next to you having Connor Williams there. Um, I'm sure, but, uh, nonetheless, you know, just looks like he's not quite the same. And, 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 uh, all in all, I mean, I think if, if our main running game is going to be, um, you know, dropping back and running quarterback draws, I hate to see it. That's not the, the game I want to watch, but that's the only way we can move the ball. 14 for 17 is, is unbelievable. That's, um, that's unacceptable for a Texas team. That's put, you know, however many running backs in the NFL and is known for that. Uh, that's just not okay. And, and I, I mean, I don't know what it is with Warren. Like you said, the, the drive, the touchdown that he got, he kept the, the feet, like we said the week before. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of times he's flinching at the line before contact and then kind of just running straight into a pile. And even if he does keep his feet and try to push, I mean, I would much rather him make a cut or two, right? And I understand that's why when one of Herman's issues this whole time is, uh, you know, they doesn't have that lateral quickness. But... I also think that the running game is opened up by the passing game, right? So if we can get the big dude Colin Johnson going, if we can get some of this bevy of really, really talented receivers going, if if we're slinging it a little bit on the short passes, which I don't know where those went in the OU game after we thought that was the offense we were going to be watching, we said in our prediction, um, I think slinging the ball a little bit gets maybe a lane or two uh, gets a, a plus one blocking advantage to 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 spring someone and maybe gets the running game going. 
Yeah, and and you mentioned that. We'll just we'll just sit there for a minute. There's been a bit of a shakeup after OU in in the the receiver game. So you know, Colin Johnson two catches for for 26 yards, which for for a receiver of his size and his talent is inexcusable. And uh, he's being outshone by by Lil Jordan Humphrey and, and Reggie Hempel Maps, who are both phenomenal talents, but not not anywhere near as talented, in my opinion, as as Colin Johnson has the natural raw ability to be. Um, you know, so literally, I think that all the the receiving starters this week are different than they were a week ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe maybe Herman's trying to send a message. He did that with with Armonte Foreman, and they asked him about Armonte because Armonte was a stud last year, and he's a heck of an athlete. But you know what? He he wasn't competing in practice, and he mm-hmm. got beat out. And mm-hmm. you can't pull a guy who's playing well in games. And, and both Reggie and Lil Jordan, you know, I think. Ellinger really likes that H that H receiver the that that receiver is his favorite yeah yeah and I, and I really love the the play um, where uh, it went out to our H back and he he looked like a rivalry game Texas player put his put his head down ended up decleating the uh, the sooner um, defender I mean that's that's rival rivalry game Texas that's the stuff you yeah. want to see I remember um, Blewett doing it you know last year getting the touchdown and just like I love our big boys getting out there and, and putting a hurt on the, the, yeah. the team that you're supposed to hate. So I love that. I mean, I've been against that formation, that that package, because uh, I didn't think we had the talent for it. But, hey, I'd love to, to be wrong. Yeah, it was it was great seeing Brewer just blow that cat up. Like, mm-hmm. it was I, – I couldn't scream because my kid was asleep, but uh, I was pretty hyped about it. Uh, so so let's move on and talk about the defense briefly. Um Man, they struggled early. They had that that counter to the left that just absolutely ate them alive yes. on the first couple of drives. They made some adjustments on the sideline and clamped it down. So they were down twenty to seven, heading into halftime. I actually sent a text to a bunch of my friends. I was like, "Hey, if they score again, I'm taking a nap in the, at, at the halftime because I I don't need this negativity in my life." Uh, and then John Bonney sparked it with a, with an interception to to end the threat and and the second half was a completely different defensive performance. So Kyle, you know, what what changed? What did you see from the defense differently uh in that second half to to really uh to to shut down what was at the time the top offense in the country? Yeah, the uh in the alternate universe that uh that you know Bonnie gets that gets that pick and and keeps his feet and is a pick six it's an entirely different game and again the DuVernay uh wrong shoulder throw and and that you know could have been different but we're not going to sit here and do what ifs um I mean I'm I'm loving the defense coming back and changing I thought they were going to counter Trey us for 400 yards I thought they were going to have an Adrian Peterson moment I mean just couldn't be stopped um and then they turned around and stopped it like I said they they uh, literally were a busted coverage away from pitching a pitching a shutout I think it's something like um 155 uh, yards on on three busted coverages and and luckily seventeen instead of twenty one but seventeen points very much the difference in the game so I think you take away big plays and it wasn't even like Baker Mayfield made any plus throws where he just beat a guy I mean incredible extending plays with his feet don't want to take anything away uh, but he didn't have to beat anyone one on one all of his yards came on or a huge chunk of them came on busted plays where some breakdown in the coverage left someone wide open. Um, so, I mean, that part is tough and it's hard to swallow because when they when they did, they had three and outs, you know, against, like you said, the, the absolute single best offense in the country. Um, you know, they, they forced three and outs. They had an interception, which is a thing that they said you can't do against Mayfield. They should have had two. 
Um, I mean, it hit Hager right in the Dylan Haynes Memorial bread basket. Um, so uh, Dylan Haynes never once extended his arms to make an interception in college, but that's all right. He got a lot of them. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I wish Hager would have got that one too. But, again, you, you put yourself in the right position, put pressure on him. Um, he got away from a lot, but they got a lot of hands on him, which we talked about. Um, so, I, I mean, I really like that defense performance. And, again, I, I keep sitting here thinking, what if uh, – you know, we, we make a stop after we go up and we're up 24, 23, and we're talking about can you believe the defense and their turnaround going down, you know, 20 to 10 at halftime coming around and winning, uh, winning 24, 23 because they pitched, you know, pretty much as a third quarter, late third quarter and fourth quarter shutout and looked like one of the best units in the nation. And that I, I wish we could say that because it was so close. But we do have to talk a little bit about the big plays. We do have to talk a little bit about Chris Boyd. PJ Locke um, just kind of being nowhere, you know, uh, Jones hitting and missing, you know, just uh, having flashes and then and then having brain fart plays. So, I mean, it's those type of things that will drive you crazy, especially as a coordinator that's out there putting the right schemes, making the adjustments, putting the guys in the position to win, and then you just you blow it on one one poor play. And as a guy who, who stands 5'9", five, 5'10", five, in boots and in – has never run faster than a five in his life. I am absolutely tired of seeing the back of Chris Boyd's jersey as receivers run past him. <laughs> like I, I am just completely over that. If I never see it again, it will be too soon. And and I'm not the guy to go after players. Like you know what, they they are a significantly better athlete than I am. And Chris Boyd played really well last year, but it seems like he's regressed. All of the progression that Holton Hill has had this season, I think he took away from Chris Boyd. That's just what it feels like to yeah. me at some it's point because Holton Hill shuts down half the field. Nobody throws to the left side. Nobody throws to the left side because Holton yeah. Hill is going to take that ball from you. Yeah. So so they've got to figure out something to do on the opposite side. If you've got to shut down corner, you cannot have the give up big plays guy on the other side. So I'm not sure what needs to happen. And may, maybe I'm just – Maybe I just happened to see him on the replays and I'm just I'm just fixated because it frustrates me. But that first touchdown he got beat. And I can't say it any other way. Yeah, I mean we went from a from a lockdown secondary to a zero sum secondary somehow. Um it's 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 frustrating. I mean, PJ Locke to me I feel like is is if not regressed, certainly hasn't looked better. I, I do think Boyd is is if not by other people looking better than just by himself looking worse than he did last year. Um you know, I would love to see Devontae Davis get get some reps in there. Um, Bonnie, I mean, there was times I was incredibly frustrated last season with John Bonnie, but I mean, kids kids looked all right since he's been in there, made some plays. So why not? I mean, if they're gonna if we got some playmakers who want to see the field and earn some more playing time, give it to them, let them play. Herman showed clearly that he's willing to shake some things up um, with the depth chart this week and in the offense. There wasn't a ton of, of change on the defense. Hager listed as a defensive end, but. Like that's fine, especially as we saw with that dropped interception. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do it. Go ahead and make it. Make a change. Um, you know, put that fire under the starter and and give the the spirit to the the guy who's coming in. And let him let him earn his spot. But, I mean, I think defense is the least of our least of our worries heading into this next game. Yes and no, and we'll talk about that in just a, just a minute. Uh, but so Texas halfway through the season three and three, uh, they've got six games. They got to win half of them to get to a bowl game. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and chalk Baylor up as a dub. Will they're owing owing five owing six at this point? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas up and down. You know, we, last year showed us you can't underestimate the Jayhawks. Thankfully, I think we get them in Austin this year. Uh, so those should be wins. So we'll count them as we'll count them as wins for the sake. So they've got they've got West Virginia, 
Tech, TCU, and this week's opponent, Oklahoma State. They got to pick up one of those to get to a bowl. Um, you know, granted, five of the 10 teams in the Big 12 are tied at 2 and 1 right now. So, outside shot at a conference championship, if they can run the table, I think that's next to impossible um, at this point, but it could happen. But, Kyle, so let's, let's just let's, let's look one week at a time. We'll go one game at a time. Oklahoma State. Number 10 team in the nation. They're 5-1. and one. They are a bad game away from being one of the top three teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Probably one, two, or three. So Texas is now in the unenviable position of having to play the number one offense in the country in back-to-back weeks. You know, going into Dallas, OU was the number one. And then you know, Oklahoma State put up just astronomical numbers against the aforementioned Baylor Bears to to overtake them in, in total offense and passing offense. So 56-16, uh, to 16, I think, was the total against Baylor, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So, Kyle, what what can Texas do to slow down or even just, just impede slightly this Oklahoma State offense? Uh, score a lot of points. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of say that somewhat sarcastically, but if Texas is going to go point for point with them, I like their ability to get third down stops. I love their ability to get red zone stops, things they've done this entire season. They're one of the top five or 10 units in the country in doing that. I mean, they were still even against OU. They were five for 15 and had all those stops inside the 20 that, you know, led to field goals or that wouldn't have been a close game at all. But, um, but yeah, I mean that offense is incredible. Uh, Mason Rudolph is a, a Heisman contender, just the same that Baker Mayfield is. I mean, they set a new school record of 747 yards in in uh, last week's game, which that seems like you know about half of what Texas has this whole season, um, maybe more. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know how you stop how you set up the, the three-headed monster of, of Rudolph uh, Washington and, and Justice Hill. Don't sleep on the fact that uh, their running back averages over 100 a game and is you know a top 25 rusher in the country as well. Um, so it's a pick-your-poison offense in the realest, realest sense. Um, I mean, I truly think Texas has now gone in an unbelievable drought of, um, I believe, three weeks or yeah, two weeks at least without a defensive touchdown. I mean, that's unacceptable. So let's get that together, boys. Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's make some big stops and truly some take takeaways and even you know points on the board from uh, special teams or, or especially from defense uh, may just be the the difference in this game. I think having um, a quarterback that can run is going to be something that they haven't seen. So I'd be curious if that translates to points and this could turn into a shootout. Um, but I'm terrified of the possibility of how good Oklahoma State could be but I will say this I will say I'm not sure how good the teams they have beat really are to me they're only legitimate like really good or plus victories against Texas Tech um they've played some and that's I mean they've beat everyone who's put in front of them but they played a really weak out of conference schedule with Pitt, who's two and five, and uh, even their their wins are are pretty suspect. Um, South Alabama, who besides beating Troy, who beat LSU, so a lot of lot of uh, transitive property, good teams here. But and then Tulsa uh, as their three out of conference, and then Baylor their their other win. So I mean, it's not it's not a murderer's row that they've done this against. Um, Tech is a is a good team this year, and uh, and of course TCU. They're both, I think, truly both of those teams are top probably seven teams in the country. Um, so 
we'll see. We'll see how good they can be where they'll fall. Um, but they're, if they play to the upside as good as they can be, then I don't know. I don't know if there is a way that you stop this offense. You mentioned James Washington, but on the other side, you know, Marcel Aitman is, is no slouch. I think if you roll coverage to Washington, I think they beat you up with Aitman. You know, he has you know, almost 600 yards this year, four scores. You know, that doesn't hold a candle to the nearly the, the 882 yards that, that Washington has. That guy's, that guy's going to be one of the top five guys selected, I think, in the draft this year. Um, he, he's absolutely terrifying. But you're absolutely right, I think. Texas is going to have to put up points and, and OSU has given up a lot of yards. You know, they're mm-hmm. giving up 372 yards a game. So it's not like they're holding teams to, uh, you know, they're not shutting them out where I feel like you probably should shut out South Alabama. Uh, so I, I think there's an opportunity there. I don't want to get into a shootout with Mason Rudolph. Cause I think Mason Rudolph has all of the tools to, to just continue to, to just beat you back with, with his talent. He's, there's a reason why, you know, he's going to be one of the first quarterbacks selected this year. You know, it's, it's, it's a toss up between their like five guys that are going to come out this year. That could be the number one guy. Um, and, and Rudolph is one of those guys like, like, we got another Heisman Heisman Trophy candidate. We'll probably hear that fifteen or sixteen <laughs> times on on Saturday yeah. that he's a, he's a Heisman candidate. So it, it's less of, and I say it every week: if you can get into a shootout and come up with one stop, that's all it takes to get a W. So if you're putting up, you know, thirty forty points, you get one big third down stop and you score on that. That's a win. That's a win in the Big Twelve. So I, I really think um, you don't you don't you don't slow them down. You, you just you get in their way once. You give them one speed bump, and and that could be enough to win the game. Yeah, and and I think you're right. And one thing that's a little bit promising is is uh, you're right. Marshall Aitman is is a monster, and in those stats that he has would be the guy that we're talking about as the number one option on most teams. Um, but James Washington is probably going to match up a lot with Hill, um, and in the one time that. Texas has played like a truly, oh my gosh, they have this guy, you have to watch him. That was uh, Lazard from Iowa State. They shut him down. I mean, he did get a catch. Uh, I believe Lazard still has the um, has the longest uh, active catch streak in the nation. But James Washington is second, uh, I believe, if not third. Um, you know, the guys, they're each going to get their catches. But, I mean, I think we held him to two catches against Iowa State. I'm not saying they're the same receiver. Um, but, you know, if you put – a guy we feel pretty confident in his coverage abilities on him and then, you know, just kind of roll the dice with the rest of the offense. Maybe that turns into a couple three and outs where uh, Rudolph doesn't have a security blanket where he can just throw it deep and say, James Washington, you go get it, you know, and uh, he forces it to the other side of the field. You get a pass knockdown, you get some pressure, you get a three and out. Like you said, a stop or two, this is a, this is a ball game. So, I see a game plan there. I, I This is a, a big money game for Todd Orlando. I think we said it after the USC game. After that, um, I mean, truly giving up 500 yards to OU is not good, but this is the Big 12, and that's a Baker Mayfield offense. But he comes out and does something this week. We may not get the chance to look at Todd Orlando much longer. You know, he's he's truly looking like one of the better defensive coordinators in the country. This is adjustments against the the counter and, and the OU offense last week, um, what he did against USC. I mean, he's truly – uh, truly doing a great job with this defense. So if he can do it again this uh, this week, I think that gives us a chance. But I think truly, truly what comes down is us putting up the points, putting them on the board. Um, one quote that I loved this week, uh, besides Gundy saying that Texas is the most athletic team in the Big 12, woo-woo, um, he did say to me uh, Sam Ellinger is a running back, uh, or the way they play him is, is like a running back. Um I'm okay with it. Let's do it. You know, let's get him 20 touches. If he's the only back on our field, who's capable of getting a hundred yards with those 20. So 
I'm in. I'm in for this game. I'm excited. I don't want to see the state of Texas lose to Oklahoma two weeks in a row, but we get instant redemption chance on a game that a lot of people feel like we could have and should have won. So I'm cherishing that. I think it's going to be a a great showing of what this team actually has. I think uh, the defense has been tested and they'll continue to be tested. And if they can show up again against against Oklahoma State, which I would put up against any other offense in the country, then you know, we don't need any more convincing, but it'll be it'll show the nation that this is this is a championship level defense. Now, if they could get some championship level offense for a week or two, I'd feel significantly better. So, Kyle, that brings us to the end of our show. And we're going to just bang the drum for a couple of minutes here. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Yeah, um, I have a couple numbers here. Uh, my favorite number is 44. Um, and 44 is the number of years that separate the head coaches that Texas has played in consecutive games. Uh, <laughs> they played the oldest head coach in the country and um, Bill Snyder, who's 133. And then, no, he's uh, he's not. You undersold right, him there. He's not quite that old, but uh, he was born on a leap year. So that's why he's only 78. He only counts every fourth year. Um, and it. then Lincoln Riley. Uh, who is the youngest, and uh, and 44 years is an incredible spread to think uh, that you have to game plan against, and we uh, we saw two very different offenses. Um, the other one that I like is, uh, is uh, I guess I don't know how you'd quantify this, but the good and the bad. There's about a 12-game spread. Um, the, the good teams left on Texas's schedule are 13-5. and five. You have Tech, you have West Virginia, who... We're going to talk about when we get to them because they are they are a scary team, uh, and TCU, as we've mentioned, is very good. They're thirteen and five, um, and then the bad teams are one and eleven. Like that's it's very very bad. And the one win is against, uh, I believe, uh, a directional um, a directional uh, Missouri team. We'll call them Sisters of the Poor yeah, for today. Yeah, SEMO, the South Southeastern Missouri, I believe. Um, which is, you know, if that's that's the one win. So uh, Texas, like you said, has two chalked up wins and three really tough games to get bowl eligibility. But I, I do think that playing Tech and Virginia, that Texas is the better team. And if if that's uh, in the beginning of the season, they they win those games. I just am a little bit worried. Knock on any piece of wood around us that uh, I feel like an injury to a couple thin positions or people just getting end-of-year fatigued or little nicks and knocks in de- defensive line, offensive line, quarter, you know, some, some of the spots that were paper thin, uh, that gives them an advantage that they wouldn't otherwise have. But I think you match them up. I think we can win uh, Tech and West Virginia. Oklahoma State and TCU are another thing. That's going to take a Herculean effort. But like I said, 13-5 and five for the good and 1-11 and for the bad. It's going to be night and day. It's scary how how small the margin of error is if we want to see a bowl game this year, which is a just ridiculous thing to say when we're talking about the Texas Longhorns. Mm-hmm. So I'm banging the drum this week on on Sam Ellinger, the man that, like you said, Mike Gundy said is used like a running back. So Sam Ellinger this past weekend, we already talked about it, rushed for 22 times for 106 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they are using him like a running back. You know, the quarterback power play is a real thing. I'm honestly tired of seeing it at this point. I think they run it probably five or six too many times in a game. Even if they run it five or six times in a game, it feels like 
like there's about 15 of them. Uh, but but he is the first freshman in school history to have uh, freshman quarterback, excuse me, uh, in school history to have back to back hundred yard rushing games and only the third to have multiples in their freshman year. He was almost 90 percent, 89.7 percent of the team's offense this past week. And so Sam Ellinger clearly is one of those guys now and probably in the future that the offense is going to go as, as Ellinger goes. So do the Longhorns. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back to the days of a, a Colt McCoy team. We're like, Hey, if Colt's on today, Colt's on, if he's, if he's hitting those, those six yard uh, comeback routes and he's good on the zone read, Texas wins. You, you knew that if you, if you snaps in or, Hey, Texas is going to struggle. He's the, the comeback is not on today. I, I remember those yeah. days. So I'm, I'm fine with that. With our quarterback being the best guy on the field, I am totally, totally fine with that look. So Kyle, that brings us to the end of the show. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. And as always, you can check out the Texas pre-gamer. Thank you for all of you who uh, commented and, and tweeted and retweeted that last week, but that's over at Barking Carnival. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can subscribe on iTunes, on the Google Play Store, and on Stitcher. We're working on Spotify, but their customer service isn't the uh, the most receptive. Uh, so we're still working on Spotify. We'll get up there as quick as we can. Uh, but thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, have a good one.